Welcome to SelfDiscoveryWisdom.com, formerly known as SelfDiscovery Media. On these podcasts, you're going to hear people who speak from the heart. They've taken the journey in life. Many things have happened to them, but they've changed it to happening for them. And in their strength, their courage, they've discovered their abilities and their wisdom, and they are now sharing it here with you. Do enjoy each show. We bring it to you with love and knowing that it's going to help you on your journey of life. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to This Story Matters, right here on selfdiscoverywisdom.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my wonderful repeat guest, and she's been gone a while, and we're going to find out why, is Colin Rue. Well, where has she been? Well, folks, she's actually been in jail. She was put in jail for her brother's crime. She did nothing wrong. She was jailed for association with her own brother. We're going to be covering that and the injustice of it, as I've named the show Injustice Served. How we can throw people away into jail just because of having association with a parent or a sibling or somebody they know that they perceive as guilty is beyond my comprehension. We're going to find out how that came about. But what really came about was what happened when she went to jail, the perspective that she put herself into, what did she learn from jail, and what has come out of it. And what has come out of it is a book called Buddha Behind Bars. She is a nutritionist. And please go back and listen to her previous show with us on healthy eating with uh, Colin Roo. Uh, we did that back in 2017. And as I said, she'd been gone. I didn't know where she was. Now I know. Um, but it was, what was she going to do in jail? She couldn't do nutrition there. So it ended up being soul nutrition. Nutrition for the soul, because it certainly wasn't nutrition for the body. So this show is all about how she got there, dealing with a hand that was so wrongfully dealt, she had to leave behind a 14-year-old son. She's a single parent, and she had to face this journey, which was unjust, simply unjust. And how do you change your mindset and go in there and do the time? And how does it change you? Well, it changed it for the better, for sure. Not that there was anything wrong with her to start off with. But let's take this journey along with her and find out, because... When she told me what was happening, I was gobsmacked, totally gobsmacked that this could happen in this day and age. And and it really sends out a warning to people that where is the justice? Really, where is the justice? So welcome back, my love. Uh, It's been a while. And um, yeah, wow. (laughs) I can say, wow. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here today. Yes. Where should I start? I should you start? I start at the. (laughs) Yes. Start at the beginning. Like, you know, your, your brother who is a a pot seller, right. Which was going legal all over the country, right. In so many States, but this was, he was wanted in the state of Texas. Yes, correct. He ran from the law. Um, when they came up after him for marijuana and so when that happened I lost my brother and that was very very profound in and of itself Mm -hmm. however right away friends were telling me you've been so close to him if they're going after him they might go after somebody in the family 
that that was actually kind of shocking. Mm -hmm. But I did reach out to a lawyer and I found an absolutely wonderful lawyer. When I sat down with her, I was blown away. I left her office crying buckets. I was like, oh, what is going to happen Mm -hmm. to me? And then it was a whole year later, a whole year later, I was working out at a gym one morning and a few gentlemen came up and asked me who I was and said they'd like to talk to me. That was all of a sudden, it was like, oh my God, here they are. Now what? And because I had talked to the lawyer and she had helped me, like how to have my affairs in order, um, because my son was only 14, who else would be around? Who could I reach out to? Where, you know, what would happen in an emergency? And so I was ready. I was prepared. And um, they did let me go back to the house. And my son came out and he I was crying he was so brave he was telling me mom don't cry you're strong you've got this don't worry that was one of the hardest things though yeah was leaving my son yes but you know before you go any further it's like um you're you're I mean quite honestly it's meant to be your innocent before perceived guilty or proven guilty, yet they had your brother as guilty. And because they couldn't find him, they're just going after the next family member. Uh, Hello, America, land of the free. I, excuse me, (laughs) excuse me. I mean, I wanted to immigrate there at one point and I'm glad I didn't. (laughs) I don't, I don't understand how they can just go after the next family member. It doesn't make sense to me. What? I mean, when you have that talk with that lawyer and she said, yes, this can happen and they can do that. What right do they have? You were not a dealer. You You didn't have anything. Right? Yes. I learned very quickly that I really had no right. They were going to come after somebody. I had been very close to my brother. And that morning I found out they went after 15 people. Um, building a case around this whole thing and that I was going to have to plead guilty to this long list of charges because they don't let you have your day in court. It is more about, are you going to uh, cooperate? And cooperating is who else are you going to turn in? How many people can they get to uh to charge because the more people they put in prison i mean i hate to say it but it's a money game yes they get a kickback i believe yes right. 100% agree with you yes it's a kickback it's a, you know the prisons are not government run anymore they're for profit and you know it's like yeah. the, the person ticketing a car they have a quota traffic uh, you know right. uh, speeding they have a quota and now it's got to be, you're not a human being, you're just a quota that they've got to reach. Right. Yeah. What's it say about your country, folks? I hope that you were blown away by this. And, you know, just really, what does this say about your country? 
that they can throw anyone in jail just because of association. Right. And that's exactly what my lawyer kept saying over and over. How can we present you as having a relationship with your brother? Just having a relationship with yeah. your brother, right. not as a dealer or being part of his organization that I was like, well, yeah, how do we do that? I, mm-hmm. I went to birthday parties. I hung out with him. He supported me when I was hardly making anything and trying to survive as a single mother. And I was, as, really, as really siblings will do. Right. Right. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. We care about each other. We look out for each other. And that's the kind of relationship I had with my brother. And for that, you went to jail. Yes. And they, I was the last of the 15 to get, um, to get sentenced. And I found out that nobody, only one person, I think, had got less than five years sentence. And I was really, really terrified Mm. that my sentence was going to be five years or more. Um, And however, at that sentencing, my lawyer talked to the prosecuting lawyer and, and said, you know, I will help continue this case. Let's drop her to a minor participant. And they agreed. So they went to the judge. He started writing things down like crazy. My lawyer turned to me and said, he's figuring out your sentence right now. We have nothing else to say. We cannot influence what he will do. It's written down. So what's going to happen? And when he said, two years with three years, three and a half years of supervised probation after the fact, I was actually very, very relieved. Mm. I was stunned, but I was still relieved that it was only two years instead of five. It still shouldn't have been any time at all. Right. (laughs) It still shouldn't have been. Uh, It's... I'm still I'm still grappling with the idea that that just because you I mean you know I'm looking at certain corrupt politicians do you throw the whole family in jail because of the politician you know because I mean you know this are the jails completely filled at taxpayers money by the way are they completely filled with innocent people just because they want to reach their quota this opens up an entire can of worms. And while I was there, I met plenty of women and heard plenty of stories where a young girl was on a first date and the man she was with stopped at a friend's house that happened to get busted for marijuana and she had a two-year prison sentence. I was flabbergasted. No, No, I mean, this is shame on them. This is shame on the justice system. I'm sorry. This is shame on them. You are so desperate to get your quota that you're going to go after innocence instead of going after the actual culprits 
or you know just oh i don't care throw them in jail have we gone back into the dark ages because this really i mean i've done shows on people who've been who have gone to jail and you know they've you're the first one wrongfully imprisoned. Others have, have said, yes, I committed the crime. It, and going to prison was the, the greatest gift because right. it put me straight. And who I am today and what I'm doing today is a contributor and, and not a causer. But to, to hear that people are just being thrown in jail just for that quota. And again, folks, I'm reminding you, this is your tax dollars at work of housing people in jail that should not be there right? Affecting and disrupting their lives, giving them a criminal record that will be with them for the rest of their lives. God knows what other stresses and post-traumatic stress and everything they're going to go through for being in there and always knowing that they were innocent and nobody gave a damn because they wanted to reach their quota. What does this say about you, America? I'm sorry, I have to keep repeating that. Because this is absolutely <laughs> disgraceful. It, I'm, the I'm politician that I interviewed wants me to send this to her, and I'm I'm going to because I don't know if it happens in Memphis, but it did. It, it I don't know. This is all happening in Texas. Is this you know the is right. this what Texas is all about? Well, unfortunately, my lawyer and um, I had to get another lawyer in Texas and he came to Colorado because Colorado is where I live, where I re have resided. Yeah. And how did they have many, that jurisdiction to to extradite you from another state? They the way that I understand it is that they it's indicting me because of the case. So I didn't have a choice. When I got out, I had to move the case to Colorado so that I could live here when I got out um, because I was going to be on probation for three years. So because it started, because the case started in Texas, when they, I think it was something, somebody narked. It was a narc situation where they threatened somebody and said, we're going to put you in prison unless you just give us five mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. to put that we can go after. And that unfortunately is also very, very common. Yes. And so people start saying, well, who can I narc on? Who can yeah. I tell on? Who can I give up? And everybody else they went after in my brother's case actually said things like, well, I saw her at his birthday party. So they were looking, I mean, these people who were charged were looking for any way to negate their own sentences. And I was thrown under the bus. Exactly. Many, many times. But I mean, was there any uh, rational, common sense thought in their heads? It's his sister. She would be at, her, at his party. They're close. What's it got to do with his criminal enterprise? And quite honestly, when you're talking criminal enterprise, pot isn't it. It's legal in most states nowadays. There are so many things that are so much more dangerous. Why are you not going after the fentanyl people? Right. You know, there is just so much more out there that is deadly. So this, again, just felt like it's 
vindictiveness and, you know, filling in a quota because this doesn't at all represent police work to me. This is bullying. And going after the easy targets. Yes. Yes. Lazy. Lazy. Right. right. Yeah. Right. You get more targets that way. Intimidation. You know, and they right. thought there was meant to be a law against intimidation. Right. I thought that you, you things got thrown out if the people were intimidated to confess or do something they against their will. Like that obviously is only in the movies and certainly not in reality. Exactly. Yeah. Did they ever find your brother? No, unfortunately, I have never found out what happened to him or um, if he's still alive. Um, I really had to go through a huge grieving process about losing my brother as if he died because we have still no idea what happened to this day. And with would it have been like him to have not reached out or not contacted you in some way or the family? Would would he have just buggered off and not cared? Or would you think that he would have reached out if he could? I think I think he would have if he could. Mm -hmm. Yes, I absolutely do believe that if he could, he would. And that um and he my niece says, you know, he has children here yeah. and I think it would be really dangerous for him to reach out yeah. not only for himself but for my nieces um, who i care so much about exactly love them dearly is texas the only state that pot is not legal no there are other states um at that time so this was 2010 and so at that time, um, yeah, Texas was one of the worst. And mm. my lawyer told me that when he came to visit me, he was like, if this case was out of Colorado, even before marijuana was legalized, it doesn't matter. You would have never, ever gone to prison. But you're going to Texas where they believe marijuana is as big as drug as anything else and they're going to prosecute you to the fullest extent that they possibly can even though you didn't take it you didn't sell it you didn't have anything to do with it i've never been arrested in my whole life mm. for anything right nothing and they didn't take nothing into consideration all. you're a mother you have a child none of that no and i uh, it took a lot <laughs> writing a big paper to the judge because my son um, was on that Asperger's, what mm -hmm. do you call it, Asperger's spectrum. And he had a very, very difficult childhood. And I had been a single mother since he was 10 months old. And at 14, yeah. there was still, I had never been away from him for more than two weeks. Yeah, One time I had been away for two weeks. And my brother had taken care of him, you know? So this was like, I was so afraid for what would happen to him. More afraid than I was mm. for myself going into prison. Did that have any consideration? No, <laughs> not You're that right. I saw. 
right total total i don't give a damn you know this goes with the book that we're talking about right now our forgotten children and you know know, it's the criminal justice i think there needs to be a chapter in that on how we we don't pay attention to children's needs um and we just throw them away we throw the parents away um we certainly have gone backwards you know for all the technology for all the advancements humanity has gone backwards uh the the, the empathy or the compassion the common sense seems to have completely gone out the door and you know again what does this say about us as, as human beings that we can just throw people away because and not not mm-hmm. look at them as human beings, not look at them as as um, as souls and hearts and spirits. Um, it really is what's wrong with the world, desperately what's wrong right. with the world and what needs to change. So that takes us that you are now in jail. Your son is placed with your sister, is that right? Yes. It was my sister and her husband um, in the, let's see, western part of Colorado. So that gave you peace of mind that he was with family and safe? Yes. And then my other sister and my other brother um, down in New Mexico took him on all school breaks and over the summer. Mm -hmm. So he had two really complete places to be. And he was he was very supported. My dad also helped my siblings financially, as well as other friends that stepped up. I had a fund and friends could contribute to to help while I was away. And what about um did he come to see you or, or you know communicate with you or you just yes my um my sister Greta was just a rock for me and and my brother my other brother and they would bring him on spring break Christmas break and in the summer so that was really really special and especially the first time because yeah. I think both of us were so afraid mm-hmm. of who we become without each other. Mm-hmm. And so that first time was um, with a lot of tears, but at the same time, one of the funniest things my son said was like, well, it kind of just looks like you're in a really bad hotel. <laughs> <laughs> no luxuries here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I... I was able to reassure him that I was still... I was still me. And and be reassured that he's okay without you, which is heart gut wrenching yes. because you don't want him to be that, but at the same time, peace of mind knowing that he is. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So and there's a whole chapter in that a whole chapter about mothering from prison mm-hmm. and just what is it like when you want to give, you want to be there. And at the same time how to let go of expectations and trust that he can take, you know, he can find happiness and that people are taking care of him well. Right. And you know that although you're going through this, he is too, what does he learn from it? How does it strengthen him? How does it prepare him for the future? All right. So, you know, it's, it's never wasted lesson, however hard that lesson is. Right. 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 We have a fantastic relationship now. I really feel like when I got out, we were able to come together and really expand and grow our relationship in very, very positive ways. And I feel like 
there was something about finding happiness within and recognizing that a mother will go all out for her child. I remember the first time he said, oh, you've got water for me. It's so different <laughs> to have somebody who will do the little things. Yes. When yes. you're just thrust out in the great big world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's also, you know, you know, we in our conversation before the show, you know, you talked about that if it hadn't been you, they would have gone after your brother. And they were determined yes. to have somebody from the family determined absolutely and so yes. your family never any shame or blame but support because basically you were sacrificing yourself for the family yes yes and that was i really had to sit with that mm -hmm. and learn from that and i did feel that i really grew as i explored who i was and what it meant to be colin yeah. I was born the oldest of five children. I took on a lot of responsibility and a lot of runs eh, a lot of responsibility was thrust upon me when I was really young. And so just coming to terms about what I needed to hold on to and mm -hmm. what I needed to let go of and how could I be more authentically me? and let go of responsibility um, and just decide what my responsibilities were going to be. Mm. Well, you know, I mean, I do hope, and it does sound like that the appreciation for what you were doing uh, definitely was there from the family and as it should be, um, because, you know, this isn't a, a minor change in one's life. This is major. And uh, right. and I also know that, you know, you're in an entire campaign to uh, pay to get your name expunged so that you don't have a criminal right. record. And, uh, you know, part of the fundraising that you're going to be doing for your book is also for that as well. And folks, you know, just if you're right. at all gobsmacked, outraged in disbelief of what we've just talked about so far, I'm begging you to get behind her so that she can actually get her name cleared because it never should have been put up there in the first place. And uh, let's give her her freedom back, please. So you are a nutritionist. And, you know, that is what our last show was, was was on nutritional eating and ancestral eating, etc. Uh, very, very insightful. Please go back and listen to that. But, you know, here you are going to jail with nutrition forget it it's slop you know there isn't anything healthy in there at all so a trying to maintain your physical balance because there isn't the nutrition to do that um you know you talked to various people and decided to step into buddhism before you went in thus kind of becoming the nutritionist of the soul which set you on a totally different journey how did that come about absolutely because of my son's situation and I was trying to set him up for success, I wanted therapists available to him everywhere he would be. So I found a new therapist down in New Mexico who ended up being just, he ended up just being so good to me. Mm -hmm. And he offered me sessions before I was going to go in for free. And one of those, I was just crying 
shaking and crying. And he said, first, you can't cry and breathe at the same time. Mm-hmm. Let's breathe. So he gave me some breathing exercises. And then he said, do you want to go to prison or would you like to go to a monastery? And I was like, oh my gosh, take me to a monastery. (laughs) And he said, it's about practicing. It's Mm -hmm. about practicing being present in the moment. Mm -hmm. It's about learning about letting go of expectations. So how about you come back tomorrow and take your Buddhist vows? And I said, okay. Hmm. And I did it. I I just felt like it resonated with me. Yeah. I felt like so strongly, just as strongly as I felt about being a mother, mm-hmm. I felt this is a way, this is a way in that I feel can really benefit me. And so four days before going to prison, I became a Buddhist. And I walked in that door saying, this is going to be my monastery. My mm-hmm. monastery with 300 other women walking around me. Mm-hmm. And I slowly but surely built up my own practice of meditation, yoga, qigong, even just meditating while I walked around the track and watching sunsets. Yeah. Well, ba- basically, what you're doing is you're removing yourself from prison, right? And, uh, and presenting yourself in the vision of what is at peace to you. So it's, you know, we can, many people are in prison in a marriage or in prison in the workforce or in prison in something else. And I think it's like if we change the way we look at what prison is to us, uh, I mean, you are literally in prison. But again, but if you change the perception of where you are, and I'm in the monastery here to learn, here to absorb, here to become, right? And then it changes your whole perspective over it, how you're going to interact with it, also how you're going to get through it. 100%. And before I went working with people, my mom unfortunately died early. She was only 47 when she died of cancer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's a whole other story. Yes. (laughs) Yes, gosh, all that that going on at the same time. Oh, my God. Yeah. So she's really what helped me. That's how I became a nutritionist was uh, after my mom died. I wanted to support women undergoing cancer treatments. Mm -hmm. And it was her spirit of just, well, I am in it. What can I do? Yes. While I'm in it. And so when I went to prison, I am like, I am here. This is where I am. You're in your own cancer, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Right. And there are a lot of things came up. You have to ask for help when you're ill. Yeah. You know, and people struggle with that. And I did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I definitely struggled with that. Um, And so circumstance can make us feel trapped alone all the time. And that, to me, are like the common threads that I was really wanting to study and learn about and find out how I could grow. Now, of course, Buddhism is no meat, no dairy, it's like vegan food. How did that work for you in jail? (laughs) Because I'm just putting those two don't necessarily go together. (laughs) 
Well, first of all, Buddhism, monks would take alms. Alms is food and things that are given. Right. So even though that vegetarian and veganism is seen as common in Buddhism, it's because there is a precedent for not killing sentient beings, Mm -hmm. not killing animals. However, they will eat meat when it is given to them. That is the meal that is given. So I really had to go in there with this Mm -hmm. idea. What is on my plate? And how can I make it just a tiny bit better? Right. So eat it with gratitude. Yes. 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 So I am grateful for the food. Thank you for your sacrifice. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I did, because it was limited, I could buy food from commissary. My family really helped me out on that too. And I lived on oatmeal almost every day for two years. Um, And they did have mackerel and freeze-dried brown rice. Because I was getting so few nutrients, there was Mm. no vegetables. What? Um, Well, okay. The funniest story was waiting in line one day and hearing people going, there's something green on the plate. What is that? (laughs) And we were served a little dollop of salad one time in two years. No greens whatsoever. What were you served? Well, there were canned collard greens at times. However, those were only served on days that they made chicken. And the chicken legs, there's never a chicken breast in in prison um, because we're getting served seconds and thirds. Right. And so they would get the chicken grease and pour that over the collard greens (sighs) and put vinegar on it. And it was unedible. Yeah. I could not eat it. Mm. So I lived on mackerel and brown rice and oatmeal. (laughs) Well, mackerel is is a really good fatty fish. And there's the omega-3, right? Brown rice is is good fiber and has other nutrients in. And oats are very good for you as well. But yes, so where are the greens? I mean, I live on six vegetables a day. I I won't survive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Difficult. No vegetables and very, very little fruit. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you want these people to be rehabilitated and go back into society as a whole person. But what you're doing is depleting them on every single level, emotionally, morally, physically, spiritually, breaking them down. So they are nothing when they go out. And then how do they survive life again? You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Again, that system, um, I've done a few shows on it. Boy, does it need to be overhauled. Absolutely overhauled. But there's many things right. in, you know, in society right. that need to be overhauled. And that's one of them. Um, and most certainly, we don't throw innocents in jail. You know, the jails are already bursting at right. the seams. And just. Absolutely. And women in our society. Yeah. One of the saddest things was hearing that women there was women that felt safer in prison than they had on the outside or that they laughed more often in prison than outside. Yeah. And I was flabbergasted. Yes. I was blown away. Yeah. 
but so many women had come from very, very abusive situations Mm -hmm. where they were, they really truly were a victim Mm. and there was nothing supporting them. They had no support, no legal recourse, nothing. Just thrown away people. And they were the ones that ended up in. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I talk about this all the time, virtually in every show about, you know, we've become such a throwaway society. You know, we're so wasteful. We can see it in our shopping, in our, in our, um, the food, you know, in our plastics, but we can see it in the way we treat human beings. Uh, we just throw people away. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why the series, The Forgotten Children, we're throwing our children away. And then we expect them to be functioning adults. Uh, I've got a book, another one coming out next year will be on The Forgotten Seniors. And it's like, oh, you're too old. Why don't you hurry up and die? Right. And it's like, what right. is it saying about us as a society that we do not value life and that we do not nurture right. life and that we don't place the importance mm-hmm. upon life and that we're so jaded and so, uh, so numbed that we cannot feel right. life anymore? And where is the compassion? Where's the empathy? I think they've all, you know, become completely uh there's a word i'm looking for it but it just humanoid not human beings humanoid robotic right Right? we have no sense of feeling no sense of compassion no sense of of caring and that is the downfall of humanity is when we stop caring about each other so Nutrition for the soul is you're certainly not getting it for the body, all right? It's uh, and right. hearing all the stories out there of other women and can, as you said, being so sad and the fact that they felt safer and they had a better life in jail than they did at home. You know, that what gain does that say that their quality of life has been? Right. Um, did you yourself become the teacher, the mentor? Because I can imagine you being so. Yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> it it was kind of a natural fit. Yeah, um, and it wasn't just about nutrition. I did have somebody send me a book for an just human anatomy, and I would have women say, "Why am I hurting over here? What's happening over here? What's happening in my throat? How come I'm so sore?" And so I was able to like open my book and talk about our bodies. And this was sometimes the first time women really had that kind of education, Mm -hmm. just learning about themselves. And I was very, very determined. I can, another shout out to Buddhism about living awake. Yes. I was really determined to live awake. And I really wanted to show women too, what was, how our response can add life to Mm -hmm. our environment our responses, our reactions, how we respond. And so if they could be kinder and gentler to their own bodies, Mm -hmm. they could be living more fully. And, you know, let's hope that you change their perspective and the way they saw things and the way they saw themselves, that when they were released, that they didn't go right back in it, you know, like a, a, a drug addict, you know, will leave rehab and go straight back onto the street for another drug. Um, And when you've got people in jail 
all they do, you know, if they've, nobody's helped them evolve or go up to another level or become more aware or, or see their possibilities, they go right back into the lion's den again. So hopefully you've helped a few people shift their perspective and shift their expectation of their own lives that they didn't go back into that lion's den. Yes, I hope so. And I really feel like there was a lot of women saying, finally, I have time for myself. Mm -hmm. And I was always going, yes, time for yourself to learn about yourself. Yes. To help create the world that you want to live in. So feel your strength mm. because there's strength in there. And when you go back out, remember that you can create your world. You can have strength because it's inside you. Always inside of us. It doesn't matter what walls they put around us. The strength always resides in. And it's always waiting, just waiting to come out. It's waiting for us to discover. And I always say that, you know, when people have that cosmic two by four, for whatever reason, that flattens them, that ashes them, you know, how you rise is in, yes. in, in our courage and our strength and the discovery of our abilities in the discovery of who we are and what's important. And that lesson, you know, rising from those ashes is sometimes the hardest, but also the best lesson to learn about just how awesome and flawsome you really are. And that how you've been selling yourself short for so long, right? And stepping into a meaningful right. purpose. So what has it taught you about your purpose now? Uh, now that you're on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of really, really wonderful things. I I was so afraid of being come of becoming bitter yeah. and frozen. Those mm. were my words that I was like, those were my fearful words. And once I was there, I was just like, wait a minute, I'm just here. So how can I soften mm -hmm. to myself? How can I be more gentle to myself? And so I came out with much more of this purpose of things just are. Mm -hmm. Stress is always there, no matter what. But how can I change how it affects me how can I find and be grateful for everything I I even developed this little um you've heard of a vicious cycle mm -hmm. in Buddhism there's a virtuous cycle mm. where it just takes one calm moment one positive thought or one just breath yeah. Um, to and one thing that you're grateful for. Yes. And you don't have to have it all at once. Right. It was so noisy in prison. You're never alone. Mm. There's you're always there. So calm moments to me felt very very yeah. rare. Yeah. But grateful that my son was alive. That mm. my son was getting cared for. That we still had communication. Mm. And I could see him and he was still my son. I was still his mother mm -hmm. and I could be grateful even for that as well as kind of finding. Some Sorry, folks, we've had some internet interruption here. 
Um, and you know, you're talking about the doves and the way they're diving into the mud. You can't see what it is they're going for. But it's the enthusiasm, isn't it? It's the enthusiasm and the possibilities yes. and, you know, the, the hope that there's something there. <laughs> the faith. The yes. faith that there's something there. And one little breeze would come and they would all disappear. Mm. And you would never know there was a bird around. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I used to think, okay, one little morsel. Every time I get to talk to my son, that's like finding those seeds. Yeah, It's like offering me growth. And, and it stays with you because you don't take it for granted. You know, you hold that memory yes. of the I'm last seeing. visit, the last conversation. And I think, yes. you know, both for your son and for yourself and for the rest of the family, because you're not so obtainable on an everyday basis and they can only have certain time with you, it makes that time more precious. You know, and I, I think back to the days where we used to have to write letters to people, you know, because I've pretty well lived disconnected from my family for the last 40 something years we've all lived in different countries and it used to be you know phone call was very very expensive so it was writing letters so you'd look forward to the next letter and you would read the letter over and over again right and then you'd think about it before you writing a letter back and in a lot of ways kind of the experience you had there was the appreciation of the contact of the contact that you had holding on to the conversation that you had and then looking forward to the next one so the you know instead of taking it for granted, it became more precious and valuable. Absolutely, and really understanding connection and mm-hmm. oneness. Yeah, I never received so many letters or card birthday like birthday cards as I did in prison, and I felt so grateful, mm-hmm. and I felt the love. It was astonishing to me. That I could be so far away in my own little world here. But I felt loved. (laughs) Exactly. I I really felt loved. You know, nobody wants a bad experience, you know, where where you went to jail, again, totally, utterly unjust. You've certainly got to look at the system. It's so wrong. But there are people that may go through cancer for a couple of years or people that go through a bad divorce or go through something else. There's always something that we're going to go through for whatever time period. And it's always that discovery, again, of our courage, our strength, our abilities, our possibilities that we discover about ourselves why we're going through it. This, again, mm-hmm. was your cancer. This was your right. prison, literally. Um, but this was also your self-discovery to have because what else were you going to do while you were there but to discover yourself? And one has to step into that interest. You have to step into that open and ready to receive. You have to step into it. I am present in the moment and I'm not going to live in the fear of expectation. Yes, the dark night of the soul. Yeah. That was my dark night of the soul. And that came from a poem that I rewrote as my own, Dark Night of the Soul. But it was about a monk who was imprisoned by other monks where he wrote this. And it became a whole thing, uh, actually, like psychology mm-hmm. of when we're at our lowest, where what can arise from that. Yes. Yes. What can grow from that? Yeah. And being able that being awake was being able to keep my eyes open, mm-hmm. not go after an escape. Yeah. Mental, emotional, even sleep. I felt like that I watched some people sleep 
so much all night and as many hours of the day as they could. And I would rather be outside. I would rather be outside if I possibly could, sitting in the sun, meditating, watching the birds. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to face the wall. Right. That was something that came up over and over. Well, um, how how was it with the wardens and, you know, with the, what do you call them there? Guards. You know, the guards, you know, kind of watching the way you were dealing through it. I mean, you know, because they're, they're there to observe, you know, see who are the troublemakers, keep the peace, but they see you keeping your own peace and having peace, a reflection on others. Did they ever say anything to you? Not very much. There's a lot to keep the guards and inmates apart, even going as far as the guards rotate every three months. Mm. So if you have a guard watching you on the compound, you will only have that guard for three months and then he'll get rotated out and then you'll have a new one in. And so there was very few guards and they could be positioned, like go to the kitchen for three yeah. months yeah. and watch a kitchen. So you did know some, uh, and I do write one experience because you get so used to thinking, well, they're not people either. Mm. It is us and them. Yeah. And I use a metaphor of if you were living in your house with a big snake, mm -hmm. <laughs> like uh, those big pythons, mm -hmm. you kind of want to know where it is. But <laughs> <laughs> don't want to be stepping <laughs> on it in time, the middle of the night. <laughs> right. You don't want to step on it. But at the same time, I'm not going to go up and talk to it. I'm not going right. to cuddle. Yes, yes. Can you so sneaky, sneaky? Was, no. <laughs> right, right. And so there was one time where I walked by a guard. It was a weekend. And I remember that because of the clothes I was wearing, I was going to the phone. And as I walked by him, he said, hello, Luis. And I was didn't even know what to do. It was like, what? Somebody talked to me like a human. Right. Yes. And I, I would literally like in shock and it actually imprinted that memory because it was so shocking, <laughs> even though he was being human. He was yeah. just saying, well, Hello. I mean, that's again part of something wrong with the system. I understand why they do it because they don't want favoritism and they don't want favors happening and all of that. But at the same time, you've made it, uh, you know, just the not even the shepherd and the sheep because the shepherd is more in tune with the sheep, but you've made it so, you know, robotic again, that the, there's no human connection whatsoever. So how can trust be built up? How can, you know, communication, how can that observation grow from there? Do they write reports of what they've seen? Do they pass it on to the next one? You know, or is it just, no, nope, don't give a damn. My shift is over. Off I go. And it's like, again, it's not productive, is it? To have them no. just, you know, I mean, it could be just like a camera, big brother watching you and it had the same effect. Right. A lot of the guards come from military backgrounds. Yeah. So scary. Yeah, exactly. Because you really do learn to just say, yes, sir. No, sir. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there was a couple of guards. There was one in particular that when you went to go get your mail, even if it said Ruiz on there and he's holding it up, he would give you, he would say your number and mm -hmm. you couldn't just raise your hand to get your mail. 
You couldn't say, yeah, I'm here. You had to repeat back your number. Yeah, because you wanted to mean you. I am. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And those little things are, yes. they were very, very frustrating, very right. hard to swallow. Yeah, because it wasn't, it wasn't treating you as a human being. It's telling you what you were and you were right. nothing but a number. Right. 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 Yes. And so, but you know, that isn't on you. That's on him. But God forbid he should see you as a human being, you know, because right. that, that actually then it reflects back on him. What kind of human being is he? And, you know, this is what right. we see by having military type people there, not people that maybe have a social work background, which would be better. Um, right. Is that they're so scared to drop this facade for the fear of who they really are. So they live in their facade. Yes. And, and because their facade is in control, has control, I've got you where I want you. But if that facade dropped and they had to really look at themselves and go in, they wouldn't like what they see. So it's easier for them right. to live in that facade and treat you as, you know, less than an animal than because that makes them feel big. Yeah. Yeah. My boss was one of those types and he was a very tall, athletic man. And he didn't speak Spanish, which I thought was a little amazing because so much of our population only spoke Spanish and didn't speak English. But he would say things like, if you don't understand what I'm saying, I'm going to be so mad. And you're just like, okay, okay, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Yeah. But I was like, you're not trying to understand right. us at all if you no. can't even learn a common language that's right. prevalent. In why, you in the, why are you in this arena? Right. If you're unwilling to learn the language and you, and you can't communicate and you can't even be friendly and say, look, you know, languages are difficult for me. Help me here. Be my translator. You're, you're willing because they're willing to at least find a, a path of communication. But when they're not willing to do that, again, their own inadequacy, their own insecurity being imposed. And this is the thing to remember mm. when you've got those kind of people that lord over in their title and their entitlement, it is because they are so small inside and they're so insecure inside and they're so discongloblated inside and they're unwilling to take the journey that holding on to that position is everything for them for the fear of losing themselves instead of finding themselves because they don't look at it Absolutely. as finding themselves they look at it as losing themselves right yeah we had a yeah we had an officer that was real big on saying you have to call me a correction officer and if you're here that means you need correction and again it was like demanding that we give our power to yes. him yes and I, that was a little rough a little rough and you know it, go what, back what, to you go you give them the words but you don't have to give them yes the vibe right <laughs> you know, here exactly. are the words you want to hear but there is no frequency in them <laughs> yes Learning compassion, that was one of the things that I felt like I needed to study mm. and learn about and really, really have an understanding where I could feel my compassion. Because there are a lot of inmate stories where you're going, wow, not only what a rough life you lived, but you also interacted very, very roughly 
mm -hmm. um, and maybe violently. And wow. But but that's all they know. If if people right. don't know the other side of life, if they don't know compassion and all it, it, compassion is considered a weakness and that, you know, being violent, yeah. you know, getting before being God, if that's the way they've been brought up, that's their survival. We can't right. blame them for where they're at. But are they right. willing to see another path? Are they willing not to be corrected, but to have their perception change of what else is possible other than the violence? Right. Absolutely. There was, I, I can't wait to read your book. <laughs> because <laughs> one of the early experiences I had was getting my tray of food. And as I was walking to a table, a gal walks up to me and she looks at my tray and she's like, oh, I bet you don't like that. And she just took something off my tray and turned around and walked away to go eat it. And I was like, wait a minute, what just happened? And I realized over time that a lot of filters, yes. a lot of women weren't brought up mm. with knowing how to take care of themselves because they were not taken care of. Right. Or oh, this, and so it, you know, to, it's my survival. I want it. I'll take it. And because that's right. the only way I've ever been taught take what you want. Nobody's going right. to give you anything. Yes. Right. Especially when I think of kids, I mean, I just wanted to give more to my son when I yes. got out. <clears throat> yes. I just wanted to give everything and be there all the time. And one of the things we realized right away is that we said thank you a hundred times a day. Mm -hmm. And we still do. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't something that we did all the time before prison. Right. And so a lesson for both of you, you know, like you're paying somebody else's debt and not even a debt that should have been paid because there's so many other crimes that are just so much worse. It's just dirty business by the police force along the way. Yes, I've said it. Dirty business, um, a cowardly business to throw innocence in jail just for your quota, cowardly. Um, but the lesson that, you know, what you became out of it, but also, as you said, your interaction with family, with your son. But for him, you know, the, you never kind of, why did you do it, mom? Or why this or why that? It, it's like, you know, you're paying the price for, for uncle and you're paying the price for the family. And then it just built an even better connection an even tighter connection yeah. of gratitude and appreciation for each other. You know, there's already yeah. the love, but, you know, love gets taken for granted. You know, love yes. will always be there. And, you know, yes. I've said to my children before, I love you, I'll always love you, but it doesn't mean I have to like you right now. I don't have to like your choices <laughs> right. right now, right? right? And I don't like who you are at the present moment, but I'll always love you. But until that light changes, you know, it's you're hard to deal with. And I think it's okay to say that because you're disapproving of the actions they're taking. It's got nothing to do with the soul heart connection that you have with them as mother and child. And setting yourself up for success. One yeah. of the things that a therapist did with um, my son and I before I left, he told us, we know, I know that you love each other. You know, you love your son. He know he knows he loves you. But what are you going to do to show that love when you're far apart, mm -hmm. when you're not together? Mm -hmm. And he said, you have to take care of yourself. 
you have to love yourself to come through this so that you have the love to show each other when you're back together. And, and show it was, where you can through it too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That was so important because mm -hmm. I think it felt that we had something tangible, that love was more tangible. And that when we were being gentle with ourselves, we were being gentle because we wanted to be able to be filled up with love and be able to express that to each other. Going back to your brother for a moment, is is it still an open case in trying to find him or is the case closed now because you served time for him? I had three different lawyers look at my book before and I had to take certain things out of there because their advice was that, yes, it was still an ongoing case. And Even though so, it's legal in so many in places and... And yeah. you went to jail for him. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Because he didn't pay for the crime. And, you know, I I have no idea where else they would go with it. But you paid um, for it for him. They got their pound of right. flesh that they wanted. They got right. their quota. So, you know, why are you spending more time and effort on that when there are so many obvious right. crimes going on all the time that really should be addressed? Yeah, I <laughs> I did one more. I did another little study when I was in prison. Um, I took a gender in society class from a community college and doing homework, writing everything down. One of the things in our textbook was that women, um, a third of women have been sexually assaulted. If you know, you know, 10 women, three of them might. Yeah. But... When you look at violence mm. as well as sexual assault, it is more like nine out of 10 women. Yeah. Yes. And I did that. I walked through the compound. I checked every floor. And those were my numbers. Nine out of 10 women have received, you know, violence in the abuse that they received. So it's a struggle of suffering and how yeah. to grow from that. And that, again, we can choose to hold on to that, or we can choose to let go of that. But that's if they have the help and the guidance to do so. And if they you don't have so the right. help and the guidance there, then all they're going to do is go out and repeat the same pattern because nobody's changed the program. In fact, they've become more yeah. embittered or they've become tougher yeah. and more disconnected yep. and more wanting to commit violence. So... You know, again, you're throwing people in there, treating them like nothing. What are you doing to rehabilitate or to reprogram or to prepare them to get back into the world in a different channel, not the same one that they were in before? We're letting these people down. God, that's another book series that's got to come out. But I've forgotten, <laughs> forgotten prisoners. <laughs> yeah, because. Uh, well, and yeah. the coming home, the probation period three and a half years mm -hmm. and those rules that you can go back for those aren't laws that you break it's something like if you decided to date somebody who had a record I didn't date for three and a half years I didn't want to be like oh so guess what um first date yep I gotta know your whole life story yeah. have you ever been arrested yeah because I could go back to prison yeah and I was like no 
I don't want to go back. But I saw women coming back. Mm -hmm. One woman for going to stay with her mother who was dying in the hospital. And she stayed an extra day and didn't tell her probation officer. And she told him, right, as the fact was happening. But she went back to prison. She broke her probation and went back to prison. Again, where is the common sense? Where's the empathy? Where's the compassion? Right. Three and a half years of where a probation officer could come to my house day or night unannounced, walk through the house, look at what was happening and decide if I was doing all right or not. And again, look at the corruption of that. I mean, you're placing your future in the hands of one person, his word against yours. And the, and they can throw you away yeah. out of spite. And of course, then we see a yeah. great deal of abuse there where, you know, they will take advantage. Yes. If you don't do me a favor, I'm going to say this and say that. So they're still imprisonated, yet they're meant to emotionally move on. Absolutely. That was one. It was a very. I would I came out with a lot more strength, but I was still something that I was afraid that there was actual real paranoia because the fear was real because there were so many rules that could be broken so easily yeah and i just insulated myself um you know friends could come over and things like that but i was very 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 careful how did you financially survive because for you know to get back into your business you know how did you manage they wouldn't allow me to be yeah, they wouldn't allow me to be self-employed at first. Why? So I if that's what you almost... were before, why can't you be it again? What's the problem with that? Again, maybe I was dealing pot as a nutritionist. Oh, I Jesus. don't know. It was ah. never explained. Oh, yeah, God, so... it's pathetic. <laughs> right. And so there's a lot of places that won't hire you with right. a record yes and i had worked as um for the state i had been a research associate for 20 years prior um my first career <laughs> and i could never go back to work in government right so i ended up working in safeway in the uh-huh. deli department uh-huh. and because my manager would get a phone call from my probation officer she knew my story and she gave me the worst shifts possible exactly my son would go to school at like eight in the morning he'd get home at three I would have to go to work and be there from three until ten and I would tell her look I'm a single mom I am trying to be there for my son can I have a few evenings off I will work four in the morning five in the morning I don't care but come on let me have some evenings with my son but again I felt like I had no recourse and I was seen as a criminal yes I was seen as something less than right without people bothering to know your story without people bothering to know anything and you know it's like you know the Don Rose um, four agreements you know speak your word with integrity don't assume ask Ask why you were in jail. Ask what the circumstances were instead of just assuming you are a, a criminal and you will always be so, right? And, you know, obviously it is um, 
uh, do your very best based on what you can do, not what somebody else's expectation is and uh, speak your word. Um, I've forgotten what the other one is, but, uh, you know, they're all very good codes of conduct. But it is about owning ourselves. But it's also this, we've become just like with your brother. He was guilty before being proven innocent. And you, by association, were guilty even though you were innocent. And, you know, this is the screwed up society that we're in now, is that we judge people without knowing their story. We judge people without knowing their circumstances. There's always a backstory. Now, let's face it, there are some bad people out there. They're just bad people. They were born that way. They were brought up that way. It's too late for them to change. The core is too rotten. And they always will be. But you've got people through circumstances in life, situations in life, um, just being built and being wrong place at the wrong time, a bad hand. And it changed their life completely. And they're trying to navigate the way out of it. And instead of judging and condemning and, and persecuting them even more, why are we not supporting and nurturing and offering a hand of support? Yeah, I, 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 they even didn't, I was actually on home arrest for about six months after I got out. And so that was um, a little bit difficult because I couldn't leave the house for more than an hour twice a week. Why? Um, being, because you're, you're out of arrest. jail. Yeah, but you're, I actually, oh, is this before jail or after jail? For what? After jail. So when but you've I went served home, your time. You've served your time. Without... Oh, but those. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you and I know that. <laughs> but I had to wear an ankle monitor. I was under home arrest. Um, so it wasn't until the following year that I could ask for permission a month in advance to go visit my family. Um, and so working was also, it was very, very hard and trying, but finally it was about nine months after I got out that I finally could, um, apply and work for myself again and be a nutritionist. And how have you found that now, you know, because you, you were all about healthy nutrition and feeding the body to feed, you know, the mind and everything else. But now being a Buddhist and having gone through where you've gone through, how has nutrition changed for you? It's changed because I see so much about our perspective to health and wellness Mm -hmm. and how mindfulness practices, Mm -hmm. being awake to why I should eat this or not eat that that I want to prevent disease. I want to evolve and beyond the patterns that were brought in with me or that my parents gave me. And so I really do do a little bit more coaching about around mindful practices because it's how we approach our health and wellness. Yes. And get the motivation It's not a magic pill. This is something that we do every day that we have to be motivated to eat those vegetables. Yes, yes. Greens (laughs) are good. Greens are good. (laughs) Yes. So I do incorporate more, um, I would say, lean towards 
coaching with mindful practices, mm -hmm. a way of about supporting your foundation and your own perspective of your health and wellness, your appreciation for your body and what it's doing for you, much more than just getting you from A to B, mm -hmm. but our emotions and how that is tied in to the gut. And so what we eat can affect our emotions. So again, those emotions, we want to have a good relationship. Buddhism never talks about good and bad emotions. Mm -hmm. It's how we relate, how we let it flow. Emotions are allowed to be alive yes. and flow through us. It's when they get stuck, when they are not looked at, when they get stuffed down, that they cause bigger problems, physical mm. problems, mm -hmm. grief can become depression yeah and you know stress i mean stress is one word for a lot a lot of different things oh it it creates dis-ease right which creates disease exactly. and um and i think you you've got people say but yes i i i take my vitamins i go to the gym i eat properly so why do i still have this it's like but you're doing that for your body but where's your mind nutrition Where's your exactly. heart and soul nutrition? And you yes. have to treat your body as a whole entity. And yes, put yes. those good foods in. Put, you know, make yes. sure you get enough sleep. Make sure you get enough exercise. Make sure that your mind isn't going down the rabbit hole. Yes, those right. emotions are an indication of where you are right now. Spend the emotion, but don't become emotional over the emotions. Because right. that's when the emotion gets out of proportion and you've even forgotten what the hell it was all about in the first place. So it's really important to be present with oneself and be in tuned mind, heart, body and soul and make sure that the nutrition we're putting in is the verbiage that's going in from ourselves yeah. and the rounders. Right. And the food we're putting in and what we're putting out mm -hmm. to everyone else. Yeah. And that to me, the little steps became so much more important mm -hmm. and those we need to celebrate ourselves yes and we need to remind ourselves hey i am strong guess what i have cut out soda pop because yes. of the sugar and and to me that doesn't mean you say sugar is bad it doesn't mean that i love a good dessert Yes, but it's going to be eaten very, very consciously, and I'm going to do it in a conscious time frame. Moderately, I'm not have mm -hmm. yes, exactly a slice of the yep. cake, not the whole cake, and not every night. Exactly, because <laughs> exactly. you appreciate it when it's less often than when it's yes. in front of you all the time, right? So it's make it special because when you do, the gratitude of having that treat right is is so much more and of course there's other different type of sugars you can have there's raw sugar not processed sugar that right. you can have that's much healthier yeah. for you it's the processed stuff and the futures and all of that stuff that's in everything so yeah we do need to be mindful right. what foods it is that we're eating but i think once you get yourself into a pattern and as fresh as possible right support mm -hmm. your local farmers yeah. and things like this is your body will thank you, your mind will thank you, your spirit will thank you, and your consciousness will be more conscious. So it's a, it's a through and through, isn't it? So, But don't feel guilty about those guilty pleasures. 
right? Exactly. This, but make and, sure they are yeah, pleasures and, and not every day. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yeah, so true. Because, and then we celebrate and our lives, to me, that fulfilled, the word fulfilled and satisfied. If we can be feeling that, yeah. we can be happy. Yes. We can cultivate happiness. That's something that, you know, is something I say now to a lot of my clients, but that doesn't, it has to do with nutrition. And at the same time, it's that put the work in, step up to care for yourself in mm -hmm. a gentle, kind manner. And then you'll have more of that to give to everybody else around you. Your cup will run off over. Yes. Right? The more abundant you exactly. are, the cup you run over. And you're here you are having gone from this injustice, which, yes, I, you know, I do not want people to forget that because there are so many other people out there that don't have the same strength, that didn't find that inner strength out there and that you know, are shattered by this, knowing they're innocent right. and put into an arena where they are stripped away of humanity. And how do they find their inner humanity amongst this place that treated them like nothing. And we need to really look at that system, uh, especially in America. Um, here in Canada, I hope we don't have it that bad. I haven't heard stories like that yet, though I have heard other stories. But we know America is particularly bad at this because they privatized the jail system. We right. know this kickbacks with police force. We know that they're under a numbers game. I don't care who's in jail as long as somebody is for the crime. And, you know, the whole system, this is why people wanted to defund the police. It wasn't so much, it is defunding the way the policing is done. And like police yes. should actually have social workers with them when they go out to meet certain people to find out, is does the person have Alzheimer's? Is the person autistic? Is the person going through a stressful thing before you bring out your gun and shoot them? You know, and we need to demilitarize the police force absolutely and uh, so yes an overall needs to happen an overall needs to happen of the prison system and overall needs to happen society from ground up because it is absolutely dysfunctional right now and nobody benefits other than the opulent few and they have mm -hmm. no conscience and so mm -hmm. they're not out there for you and so we really need to look at the injustice of this but then also celebrate who you are today because of it and what you are doing today, and that who you have become. And then this book, beautiful illustration, Buddha Behind Bars, with the little window, the bird, and the sunlight shining through, you in your meditation, uh, of how, you know, I had another uh, Buddha, uh, actually, who um, would take people into Times Square, and how to meditate amongst the chaos. Mm -hmm. Right. How to be the mountain amongst the chaos. And we talk about meditation and peace and quiet. But how do you find the peace and quiet amongst the chaos? And that's what you right. had to find is that peace and quiet, that central calmness amongst the chaos, which was your your sanctity and your sanity that got you through it. And so now you've written this book, which tells the story of how you got there, obviously restricted because there's still big brother looking at you but also your triumph of who you've become today so this is a wonderful book that you're putting out now it's not quite ready to go out yet right so it's it can it be pre-ordered no you or? can you can you can order it on amazon wonderful so it's it on amazon it's on yes. amazon but you are going to be doing a funding platform which please folks yes. i really 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 want you to get behind her because she can have 
this case against her expunged, which means that she can travel, she can do things and not constantly be imprisonated for the rest of her life. She's already paid far too much time for a crime she did not commit. And she can purchase this, um, what do they call it? Um, the presidential pardon. The presidential pardon. Yeah. And so she needs money in order to do that. So, um, and, you know, money just, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean yeah, yeah i probably would not survive too well in there because it you know i'd be putting people straight and that probably wouldn't go down too well <laughs> because i can't stand injustice it's the libra in me i like to see things well balanced and i hate to see injustice um but i want people to get behind the book um not only read it for yourself but read it just to see what's going on in your society mm. and that you know yes Colin Strong she had the family support um she stepped up to do this so that they wouldn't go after her her brother her other brother um yeah. she, she was the sacrificial lamb here and she never should have been it never should have happened that's the injustice of it all and and through this a brother that she's never seen again whether he's dead or alive she does not know and that can be heartbreaking as well. The not knowing is even worse than knowing if he has actually passed somewhere along the line. And, it, you know, there's so much wrong here, but she made so much right come from it. So let's celebrate her for who she is today, what she's learned, what she's now teaching and doing in her own nutritional platform. And, uh, and please, you know, look at her nutritional platform because we all need it. And she takes it up so many steps higher of whole nutrition mind body heart and soul not just food nutrition but let's get behind her uh, with this funding platform that's going to be here on her show page so if you're just listening to this by audio all you do is go to selfdiscoverywisdom.com and you put in her name which is colin c-o-l-l-i-n jennifer rue r-u-i-z Put in her name and her shows will come up. The Injustice Served is where we're going to be showing her book and also where the platform is for the funding. And also you can listen back to her other show as well. Uh, Facebook, Buddha Behind Bars, Instagram, Colin Ruse One. And then R-U-I-Z, Colin, C-O-L-L-I-N at gmail.com. And also she has Holistic Nutrition LLC on Facebook as well. Um, no site at this present moment, hun? No what? No site. No. You don't have a site at this moment? Not yet. It's in process. Right. So it's we will process. add that to a show page as it comes yes, up. I will. You know, it's when she told me about this, because I said, where have you been? And when she told me about this, I mean, I was just outraged. Outraged. And I'm still outraged. I, I, I just cannot believe in this day and age that we're allowing this to happen. It is criminal. This is criminal. And just because... People wear a uniform or they stand behind what they think is the law and they take the law into their own hands for their own agenda is criminal. And we need to look at this system because Colin made it out because she's strong and she went in and she took Buddha with her. But there are so many of them out there. That girl goes on a date, a first date and goes to jail for it, for Christ's sake. Right. And not everybody is as strong as she is. And not certainly nobody's getting support that they need in there um so we need to step up and be that support folks because this is wrong 
and we need to speak out. You can start off by buying her book, Buddha Behind Bars. It's on Amazon. Go and get it and make a great conversational piece. I talked to you about having book clubs, having podcast clubs, listening to the podcast, reading the book and having a conversation because it's through your awareness and your conversing with each other and sharing it out with other that we bring the problem to the surface and then we start inviting people to do something about it so please you could be a part of the solution Colin I love I... that thank <laughs> you so much I appreciate everything that you're doing it's right back wonderful. at you darling I, I'm so happy that you found your strength and that you have incorporated everything that you learned that you chose to have a lesson from it that you chose to grow stronger from it and not crumble and get caught up in the in bitterness because, my God, you had every right to be bitter and every right to be angry. But you chose a different path. And through that, you found your strength and you became strength for others. And now you are that warning in, uh, in the book <laughs> of what is wrong. But also, again, that whatever journey we're, we're dealt with, what we can do about it. So yes. thank you for your courage and your strength and your abilities and, and sharing this out and uh, keep being the awesome person that you are. I will. I feel so blessed. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Folks, there's a lot of things wrong out there. And the more that you go la, 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 la and choose not to listen to it, the more they get away with it. When we become the chorus of accountability, when we become the persistent chorus of accountability, without pitchforks, without violence, but in harmony against what is wrong, the wrong has to change. But it does not change if we turn our, a blind eye. So let's put things right for all the innocent people in there. Even the guilty people that are guilty through different circumstances are not getting the help they need, right? Let's treat people okay. as human beings. And not as humanoids. Okay. Thank you so much, Colin, my darling. Thank you. Until next time, folks, remember, we may be the problem in society, but we also could be the solution. And it's up to us. It's our choice. Until next time. Bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. There are so many more for you here on selfdiscoverywisdom.com. Just go to the podcast tag at the top there and you will see all the many genres and all 3,000 shows ready for your listening. We are here to serve you, to help you on your journey of life. And we know that through inspiration, it begets invitation. We are supported by you, the listeners, and those that we interview. Anything that you can spare us in donation would be greatly accepted. And we do hope that you enjoy the next show.